welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, we are the Blue and White Brothers, two brothers, two takes, one team. But today, uh, one of those brothers is missing. Uh, my brother, Tom, he's off living his adventuring lifestyle, kind of a, a late-breaking opportunity pulled him away. So we don't have Tom today, but we do have a really special opportunity for you. I'm really excited to have a guest host sitting in for Tom, and that's our dad, Rick Gathman. Dad, welcome to the show. So special. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm here for the royalties. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's it's appropriate because Tom and I got our you know our love of Penn State football from you, and of course, mom and our whole family growing up. But um, uh, why don't you just, for the sake of our our listeners, just give us a brief overview of your Penn State fandom story? Uh, well, you know, I was I was not a Penn State fan. Until I enrolled there, I transferred uh, from Bloomsburg University over to Penn State my junior year because I was changing uh, majors uh, to get into film and television production. And, um, you know, the very, I think the first game, I remember basically every game, uh, and we were a much smaller stadium at that time, something I think like uh, maybe 74,000. And uh, it was still incredible. larger than Illinois Stadium, by the way. Well, there you the, go. <laughs> they were they have sixty thousand that they yeah. fit in there. <laughs> Although they looked good in all orange last weekend, I thought, didn't you? An orange out is that what they call it? Anyway, an orange out, yeah, yeah. And I think our I think the first game I attended was a uh, home game uh, TCU. Uh, that interesting. I, I, yeah, I mean. Um, uh, Franco Harris and uh, Lydell Mitchell were in the backfield, and I think the final score of that game was like fifty-six to three. Who won? <laughs> yeah, well, it was us, and it was, okay, good. <laughs> it, well, it was magical, and um, you know, I, from that moment, I've been a you know a diehard bleed blue Penn State fan, like so many others. And that would have been uh, so you were maybe enrolling in the early 70s at that point. So that would have been kind of in the heyday of the Paterno era, sort of his first run of really great teams. Yeah, I uh, transferred in in uh, uh, the fall of 71. So, uh, yeah. And as I think you know, um, your uh, uncle, Jim McCord, was, uh, you know, played for those teams. Um, well, era. Well, it's uh, it's uh, glad to have you um, for the show today. Um, glad you're bringing your wealth of Penn State knowledge. I got to say that y you and Tom uh, together, the two of you, your your photographic memory of like Penn State games, Penn State scores, it's it's encyclopedic, and I, I'm I'm glad to have you on the show because uh, uh, that's. My, my memory works more in impressions than like specific stats. And so um, I definitely struggle to like remember those specific games or specific uh, occasions. So it'll be fun to have you on for, uh, for some of that. Um, well, I do have a question. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I'm holding in my hands a brief outline. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Single spaced. Uh huh. Eight pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thorough. What in heavens, how much time? 
do you and uh, and your brother put into these things? I'm guessing uh, you in the organizational department, because I know you both. But um, honest to goodness, do uh, <laughs> you want to be? A, we need sponsors. To well, you, you're not getting paid enough. Uh, well, you, you're the one with the uh, advertising agency, so I'll let you handle the uh, sponsorship uh, situation. But well, someone should. Huh? I'll say that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because it's not going to be the same kind of show today without Tom here. Uh, no one can right. replace Tom, <laughs> but, Nor would um, they try? but I'm going to, um, we're going to try to do both, um, the Illinois recap and looking at Iowa in the same show. Um, we do have some news and notes today. Um, we also have a mailbag. Thanks, uh, for contributing to the mailbag. We'll get to that in a little bit. And then a special segment, just cause you're here, dad, we're going to go do something we haven't done since our first season and, and, uh, open up a, uh, Rick's picks segment, um, oh, and look boy. at some of the outstanding college football <laughs> games this weekend. So um, time, but it- <laughs> well, you know, it'd be fun to get your take on it. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see how, we'll see how long the show goes. I'm thinking we'll just do one shorter episode this week, but, um, you and know, so in closing, let me just say <laughs> exactly right. All right. Um, well with that, um, want to remind everyone to, um, subscribe and follow the show, share with your Penn state friends. If you like this episode, um, let us know and we'll maybe we'll bring my dad back again. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a review, send an email, uh, blue and white brothers, at gmail.com. Um, and with that, let's go to our news and notes. Well, I, I just felt you said that wrong. <laughs> oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that Depending on how things go, we may bring your brother back again. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Thank you for that right. correction. <laughs> yeah, all right. And here is our news and notes. News and notes. All right. Well, um, I'm not going to do 10 second takes because, you know, no one can do them like Tom, but I do have a couple of uh, things that happened this weekend, Dad. I'd love to get your take on. And um, I think it was largely a sleepy weekend in the top 25. Um, Mm -hmm. No top 25 matchups, but they're actually, you know, as tends to happen, some games with a lot of intrigue, including a couple of games that were close for uh, some top 10 teams who happened to manage to escape with a win. Um, That includes number one, Georgia uh, against the stingy South Carolina team it was very close. Um, yeah, that, being, they did not look good in that thing. They were, I'm sure they're lucky that it rained. Poor <laughs> yeah. rain. Well, and Spencer Rattler um, yeah. wasn't able to put away uh, yeah. Georgia, and they they found a way to win 24 to 14. Uh, I, to me, the biggest surprise of the weekend was uh, number three Florida State going against a really bad Boston mm-hmm. College team. Yeah. Uh, 31 to 29 in Boston and um, very, Florida very State, close to being an upset. Florida State should have lost that game, actually. You know, yeah. they, yeah. And then like, Alabama, I don't think there was ever really a chance they were going to lose to South Florida, but it was tied 3 3 for a very long time. They ended up getting two second half touchdowns. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the rain game. I, that, that monsoon. Uh, in the Alabama South Florida, uh, yeah, and maybe yeah. that had some uh, effect on on the games played in the South with some bad weather. But um, Alabama's offense does not look good. I can't argue with that. <laughs> um, now there was another near upset. Um, it's the big game everyone was talking about yep. that nobody saw. Of course, I'm talking about uh, Colorado, Colorado State. I think nobody thought that was going to be anything worth writing home about. But Colorado State had other ideas. They actually 
oh, I thought they were going to win this game. Yeah. And somehow Colorado found a way in yep. double overtime. Yeah. They won uh, 43-35. That game ended at 2.30 a.m. Eastern. Did you watch the end of that game, Dad? I, I On rerun, I but <laughs> okay. I, was, yeah, I was well, not awake when they wrapped that up. What's your take on that game in Colorado this year? Well, you know, Colorado's amazing. No doubt about it. Uh, Colorado State, you know, their coach had, you know, teed that thing up earlier in the week. <laughs> Bulletin and, board material for someone who's looking for and, it. <laughs> you know, uh, but they played their hearts out, and they they could have won that game. There's no question about it. That, too, would have shocked the nation just like the first uh, week of the season. Colorado did. But, hey, they're, Colorado's still on, on their way, and uh, I know you've got some predictions later in the show, so we'll see when we get to that. Um, you know, it was pretty significant. Colorado lost their, um, you know, superstar two-way uh, Hunter. guy, a Hunter. Yeah, he he was lost in in the game. I I'm not sure if uh, they they think he's going to be back. Um, I can't remember right. what the injury was, but uh, yeah, that that could have an impact with losing one of their big stars who's been making all kinds of headlines. We'll yeah. keep an eye on that. Yep. Um, there were two upsets this weekend. Um, teams that I think. You know, I'm not sure we're making a whole lot of headlines, um, but Tennessee, who had a really big breakout season last year, yeah, um, they were stuck in neutral against unranked Florida. Um, came away with a really solid 29 to 16 victory. Yeah, and I um, think Florida was unranked because it was uh, Utah they played. At, they lost was to it Utah week zero or week yeah, one, something like that. Yeah, I, I watched that game and Florida looked pathetic in that thing. And I, I was picking. I mean, I was sure Tennessee would win this uh, last weekend's game, but they, they didn't have it. Florida there were a did. couple of uh, field stormings this weekend. Um, you know, Colorado was yeah. one of them. You know, which is kind of odd storming a, the yeah. field on a game you were supposed to win by three touchdowns. But the other one was unranked Missouri knocking off number fifteen Kansas State, thirty to twenty seven. Yep. Um, come from behind victory. Uh, Kansas State was supposed to challenge for the Big 12, I think. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was kind of an interesting upset. I didn't happen to watch it, but thought it was worth noting. Any uh, comments there, Dad? Well, you know, I would. I think it's fair to say that uh, neither of those particular teams are, uh, you know, traditional powers. But uh, Kansas State is rising, um, and we've played Missouri in the past. It was some classic games. I mean, they've they've won the, the old Big Eight and back in the day. Um, it, it was nice to see that game, see it be close, and uh, and it was a lot of energy in that stadium as they as Missouri took them out. They haven't been great for a while, so it's kind of fun right. to see some success there. Right. Um, outside of the top 25, just a couple quick hitters. Um, Pitt really fell flat in Morgantown, West Virginia, um, one of our former foes. Uh, well, and that was that was great to see after you know, opening with West Virginia, to see West Virginia play well against our other one of our other traditional rivals and a team we played recently and not always had success with, so... It was a it was a classic like old school football yeah. game. Not yeah. a lot of offense. Seventeen to six victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Virginia's quarterback who gave us fits. He got knocked out. I think on the first series. So West Virginia was playing with a backup quarterback the whole game. Oh, I didn't um, realize that. But okay. uh, yeah, West Virginia just looked dominant in the trenches against Pitt. They just had their way with them. And um, well, they you know, I, 
They I'd love to see real. West Virginia have a good season. That'll look good for us. <laughs> you know, when they came into Beaver Stadium, it opened the, the season for both teams. They looked like they, you know, and you guys said it in uh, your review of that game. They they came into Beaver Stadium to win that game. They were playing to win, and we were able to finally handle them, you know, later on in the game. But, of course, we were all in the stadium for that. It's a magical night. Another magical night. Around the top 10, um, I'm going to shift gears. Not really a lot going on in my mind. Um, a couple of, you know, powerhouses playing nobodies and, um, you know, a couple of other teams that aren't doing well, continuing not to do well. Anything stand out to you this weekend in the uh, Big Ten football action, Dad? Well, as you know, your uh, uncle Rusty is a big Virginia man. I'm sure he's heartbroken <laughs> right. over what uh, it was. Nice to see uh, Maryland as a Big Ten, um, you know, play play them that well. Um, That's a second straight week, by the way, that Maryland spotted the opponent 14 points. Mm. Uh, they were down 14 nothing in this mm. game, and then went on to rip off uh, a whole lot of points, 42, I think, uh, unanswered points to to finish the game. Yeah, and your your cousin used to, you know, it played for Virginia. So, uh, David Gathman. So, yeah, uh, it, it was a good win for Maryland, no doubt about it. And Michigan, it, uh, I, I know you've got some comments. Mine would be that JJ, you know, came out of the woodwork <laughs> throwing tossing interceptions. Yeah, did not look great in a yeah. not great looking win, thirty-one to six over Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michigan hasn't really shown that they're a, a contending top-level team yet. I mean, maybe they're still finding their footing, but I thought they would look better uh, out of the gate with such a soft schedule. Um, Ohio State, meanwhile, um, found their footing. Put up 63 against Western Kentucky. Um, Here are some people saying Western Kentucky is probably one of the 10 worst teams in the country. So hard to know whether that 63 points means a whole lot, but it seems like they found something uh, offensively. Uh, Last thing I I think is uh, we were kind of all looking at Michigan State. How are they going to respond to the whole Mel Tucker situation, being without their coach, first game without their coach? Uh, They're facing a top 10 opponent in number eight, Washington. They did not look good. Well, you know, that situation out there, for whatever reason, has not received the scrutiny that the Northwestern, um, you know, events. That's an interesting point. I agree with you You know, and and maybe it's because over the summer, what else did anyone have to talk about? And now we've got, you know, 311 games to deal with every (laughs) weekend. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was was a shocking development. It affects... uh, you know the, you know our yeah the Big Ten conference certainly and in um, our division and hasn't gotten a lot of but forty one you know, they they look like the season's over I'm sure it isn't but I mean it was a true it was a blowout the game was over at halftime it seemed yeah. like Washington didn't really try in the second half forty one to seven yeah. that was at Michigan State by the way so yeah. I mean yeah. yikes. Um, yikes. Last one I'll just briefly state is that uh, Iowa, our opponent this coming week, um, finally cracked the 25-point barrier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, They uh, put up 41 against Western Kentucky. Again, how good is Western Kentucky? But, um, yeah, they're they're, – Found a little bit of an offensive footing, it seems, at least um, this past week. Um, We'll see how they do against a a top 
ranks defense in Penn State. Um, but it does enough to move Iowa up to a number 24 ranking yeah, from 25 they, you know last week. <laughs> they could be dangerous, seriously. Oh, I mean, truly. Their offensive line looks imposing. Interesting. You know, uh, yeah. I, I mean, they were moving people out of the way, and their their run game was. We'll talk about that. In yeah, the I know uh, half yeah. of the show, but Fair enough. Um, yeah, well, it should should be interesting. Um, wrapping up news and notes, just um, a couple of a uh, couple of points to consider. Number one is that uh, Penn State has held steady at number seven mm-hmm. for the third week running. Um, this is the big shocker of the poll this week: Alabama and Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, they both fall out of the top 10, um, Alabama to 13, Tennessee to 23. But this is the first time in eight years that Alabama is out of the top 10. Unbelievable. The, it snaps a streak of 128 consecutive top 10 appearances in the mm-hmm. eight poll. Dates back to September 27th, 2015. I've got a son who's a freshman in college this year. Back when this poll came came out, or the first time they appeared in this streak, um, mm-hmm. my my son was ten years old. Wow. The last time wow. Alabama was not in the top ten. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know it is it is shocking. And there there's uh, at least in that game switching quarterbacks. Uh, they're obviously looking for some answers, and uh, you know, uh, good. Yeah, I mean, haven't found know, it yet. Well, and uh, you know. It builds character, you know, for Nick to have to deal with some of this stuff. I <laughs> mean, an true. old and speaking and of does. Michigan State and you know, an old uh, Big Ten <laughs> yeah, foe of true. ours, yeah. Yeah, well, well, maybe if things go south for Nick Saban um, far enough that he can return to Michigan State by the end of the season. Oh, I, ooh, I don't think that's in the cards, <laughs> but who knows? You don't know. It's a weird college football arena. That's that's true. Um, well, hey, that's uh, that's the news and notes for the week. Um, uh, the big news, of course, is Penn State and their uh, victory in the Big Ten opener against Illinois. And, um, you know, it was our first road game of the season, first Big Ten game of the season. Um, and a 30-14 to 14 victory looks a lot better on paper, I think, than it felt watching the game. Um, offense really struggled for a lot of the day, um, but the defense played their best game of the season by far, and maybe their best game in the last two seasons, um, five turnovers on the day. They completely yeah, overwhelmed yeah. Illinois. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll talk about some of the specifics um, going forward, but I'm just curious, Dad, what are your main impressions of the game uh, big picture? Well, I I was not able to watch it live the first half. I did see the second half live. Uh, I had another commitment, but um, I, my takeaway, because I then watched, obviously went back and, and watched what I couldn't watch it live, um, listening on the radio, and I was tracking the game even though I couldn't watch it uh, during the first half, and it was it was disappointing. When I went back to watch it, I was surprised that we didn't look as bad to me as I was feeling. Um, <laughs> Interesting. I mean, it was shocking to see that, you know, Drew came uh, back down to earth. Uh, slightly less than 50% completion, although he had people dropping passes on him. Uh, But he had some poor throws, and who knows what was going on. Their defense, you know, when we we talked off the record, you and I, I guess it was, you know, about four or five days ago, my comment to you was if I were Brett, I would would come after our quarterback. I would line up – and just force him to 
try to deal with more because nobody has really succeeded in doing that up until now. And uh, they definitely were attempting to do that. They had enough people in the box, and they had them coming enough of the time that uh, it made it difficult for Drew Aller. And um, anyway, you know, that, so that was that was my observation. But our defense was swarming. Uh, you know, our um, our back. Uh, you know, not you know, our front seven was good, but our back three or four. Unbelievable. We came down with some passes that, you know, they were amazing. And it made all the difference in that game. Gave us a couple of short fields, and it's worth mentioning that it looks like our other than a block, which you can't fault the kicker for that. Um, you know, we had uh, our field goal kicking looked good. Yeah. I mean, I think those are a lot of the same notes that I have. And, um, Absolutely. The offense felt off kilter a lot of the day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, clearly there was a game plan to disrupt what we want, uh, what we wanted to do. And um, they did, uh, they were very disruptive a lot of the day. Um, it, was, it was tough sledding. Um, but the defense, I think, is the story of the day. Well, both defenses really, you know, the Illinois defense really came to play, made it tough on us. Um, and, and but our defense, um, you know, when when the offense was really stalled out, how many times did the defense yeah. get the ball back? Gave us a yep. short field. Yep. Um, so let's just talk about that defense because you know I got to say this was the defense I expected to see from the opening. Uh, whistle of the first game. And uh, it felt like we were a little out of sorts against West Virginia. Uh, even against uh, Delaware, we were not as dominant as I as I would have expected. We didn't get the takeaways I w- would have expected, but uh, it just was, we did not allow them to do um, anything outside of one or two drives. Um, we had five turnovers in this game, and I don't. Tom would have the stats usually if we had this. Of you know, when was the last time we had a five turnover game? I'm not sure, but it, sorry to it, let you down, son. It's okay. I'm not. I'm not trying to compare. I'm just saying. I'm. I'd be curious to know. We you know when the last time we had a five turnover game, but it's got to be rare. Um, we had one fumble recovery and um, four interceptions. By the way, Dom DeLuca. Who, yeah, he forced that. Who got that um, turnover um, train started? Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had a pick six last week, which um, Delmar, Tom and I yeah. uh, failed to mention on the podcast. Um, so, I mean, DeLuca now, um, a backup linebacker, is leading the team in, you know, forced yeah. <laughs> forced turnovers. Um, but um, we also had Abdul Carter on an interception. The that first, was nice to see him. I mean, was. he was obviously dropping back and, uh, you know, there he was when he needed to be there. The first two turnovers were all the linebackers. Um, by the way, it was Kobe King, our middle linebacker, who recovered yep. that forced fumble. Um, but then uh, the last three were interceptions by um, the the defensive backs. And um, boy, they were some incredible plays. Uh, I, definitely going to give any um, any quarterback a little bit of pause trying to throw against our secondary. And, and we made them pay. Uh, gave, Like I said, gave Penn State a lot of short fields. Um one thing, you know, again, it was part of the frustration I thought for me was um, our offense in the first half um, managed to only get 13 points off of the first three turnovers, a field yep. goal, a field goal, and a and a touchdown. Um, but, uh, man, it was just the relentless uh, ball hawking skills of our defense that um, I think 
you know, made this game what it was. And uh, t- by the end of the day, uh, totally deflated the uh, Illinois offense to the point where they swapped out quarterbacks by the end of the game. Yeah, well, they were forced to, I guess. And they had felt they had no choice. Um, <laughs> Tried to get something going because of how many yeah. mistakes. Yeah. I mean, that four interceptions on it for any quarterback is yeah. is not a good one. Uh, the, the backup didn't seem to be able to get anything going either until the very uh, second to last drive of the game. I guess they got a, a kind of a touchdown yeah, against garbage. our second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that way. Well, you know, and that, that counts. I no use pretending it doesn't, but. Um, yeah, and we had them under control at thirty to seven, with uh, I think just a few minutes to play. I kind of wanted to to hold them at that seven, and I wouldn't sure. mind getting another touchdown from our sure. second string. But uh, hey, hey, it is what it is. Well, um, you know, uh, it, and I know that that you know among a lot of fans can be controversial at times. But you know, getting those other players on the field, um, I think is is vital. To uh, a long season, and we're going to need those uh, those players. We're going to need as much experience as they can have in you know real situations, and that, they're going to learn from that. And they'll they'll get. I, I read in I, an article um, post game that we traveled something like seven true freshmen to this really? uh, away game. Uh-huh. Um, you know, away games, you you have a limited number of players you're able to take on um, on the bus with you, or I, I guess they flew, but either way. And um, so I think to your point, I think it's, it's really interesting that we're getting a lot of these young guys' experience, not just, you know, at a blowout at Delaware at home, but actually at a Big Ten away game in Illinois, and we're getting them on the field. Um yeah, I mean it. It seems like we're not only preparing for you know the next few years of our development, but also maybe for a season where we need to make a deep run with a lot of extra games. Um, just you know, making sure the win is secure, but uh, getting a lot of experience for young guys and helping our starters uh, take a break. I think that's an interesting uh, development. Last thing I just want to mention before we leave the defense is just that. Um, our defensive line had a had a very good game. Um, we had two sacks for Kaziah Izzard, uh, defensive tackle. I think this was his first game back from injury. He made hmm. a huge impact. Um, all in all, we had three sacks on the day as a defense, uh, half sack each for Zariah Fisher and Adisa Isaac, uh, defensive end. So you know the the defensive line was was really making an impact on the day um we also had three passes defended um and uh seven tackles for loss so we made it kind of a miserable day uh for the illinois offense and a lot of that was our front seven uh doing a lot of the hard work and then the um you know the back end um you know snagging everything that they tried to throw their way so that was it was a pretty all-around exceptional day on defense yeah 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 it's a great day for the defense. Um, let's let's move to the offense. And you already mentioned it. Um, Aller uh, had a difficult day. He was under fifty percent completion rate for the day, forty eight point five percent. Hey, did you have it on your bingo card that the lone passing touchdown on the day would be thrown oh, by third string running back Trey Potts? <laughs> Trey Potts from Williamsport. Pennsylvania. Yeah, you share hometown with him. Well, <laughs> and, a note card. It, it might be his uh, uncle or his uh, grandfather. I don't know, but I played with Jojo, Jojo Potts. Randy Allison and I both uh, 
remember playing with him. He was a phenomenal athlete. No he's, kidding. Yeah, really. And he's uh, he's uh, been noted working to help beautify the community, I think, in uh, recent years. But, yeah, JoJo was a phenomenal athlete. It built very similarly, it looks like. And, again, I don't really know the family relationship, but I'm guessing that they're related. That's fascinating. I, I'm I'm going to charge you to look into that because if Trey Potts has another uh, yeah. an, another notable uh, performance, it'd be nice to to make that connection. That's well, and we cool. we saw we saw him play Trey. That is uh, a year ago, and we were at the Whiteout with uh, Minnesota. He was in their backfield. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, I'm wondering wondering how much of that experience caused him to uh, yeah. look up Penn State in the portal. <laughs> Let's ho- hopefully so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, back to back to the offense and uh, and Drew Aller. You know, I think he looked so cool and collected the first two games. Nothing rattled him, mm-hmm. um, even when he was re- receiving a little bit of pressure. But um, Illinois really seemed like they rattled him. Um, he f- seemed uncomfortable, didn't have time to throw. Uh, seemed like there were times where he couldn't find an open receiver and he was throwing to empty spaces. Um on the plus side, he only took one sack for the day, um, and he didn't have any interceptions. There's a, I think is huge for a young quarterback in a hostile environment. Uh, but he was hurried a lot. He was knocked off his mark, and um, yeah, missed over half of his passes, which is, you know. <laughs> I think I had sort of taken it for granted that Drew was going to have like 75% completion percentage <laughs> throughout the season. And and that brings that uh, back to earth a little bit. Well, all last week, heading into this game, I'm, I was, I'm having flashbacks. You know, I mean, 29 years ago, uh, Tom, I think, was he would have been about 11 and you would have been about 17 uh, when we went to Illinois to play them in the 94 season, oh, obviously, yeah. that great season. And yeah. um, I was uh, uh, I had just left a recording session down in Orlando, come back to my hotel room, you know, really interested in seeing how, how Litton Lions doing today. And, of course, we had been averaging something like 57 points on offense. We were steamrolling people, including – you know, we had beaten Michigan, um, and we had uh, back-to-back. We played Michigan and Ohio State, beat them both, and beat Ohio State 63. There's that number you know, that we saw earlier from them. Um, we beat them, I think, 63 to 14-something like that and dropped from number one and num- to number two in the rankings and <laughs> right. stayed there. That that was the game. That was the yeah, weekend that we lost. That anyway, it. so – you know, I walk into my hotel room, turn on the TV, it's 21 nothing. I'm going, at Illinois. Yeah, yeah. And Kerry uh, uh, Collins had thrown an interception that uh, it made a short field for them. They took it in. There was another fumble by Kajana. They took that in. There was a lousy punt. I hadn't seen any of that live, but I walk in, and of course, as you know, we all know, historically, um uh, uh, you know the team came back, but the the story was at the time and still is that the uh, we flew out it was uh, it was a game where uh, the hotel staff the hotel was in the middle of fraternity row apparently Wh- whoever scheduled that who knows <laughs> um, but uh, the fraternities were blaring their music all night all long night in long anticipation <laughs> of the game and the staff would not and could not or did not prepare a team meal 
um, for breakfast. So for breakfast, our you know the Nittany Lions had pizza and hoagies. Um, uh, the elevators weren't working. Had they had to walk up and down 15 flights of stairs, and they had 75, you know, 76 something odd thousand frenzied fans. Um, and it took uh, you know it took the whole rest of the game, you know. And there's that famous final drive that started at our own four yard line. But there was a drive earlier, the first drive that we scored on. We started at our one yard line, drove 99 yards. Uh, Brian Milne scored three touchdowns that day, including uh, that first and last drive, and you know with just minutes to play and. Uh, yeah, it was a great victory. So, I Illinois, you know, yeah, it's one of those teams. It's a white knuckles game, you yeah, know, for a lot of yeah. people getting ready for that. It's definitely one of those teams that we have some some history with, and um, you know, the the nine overtime game, which of course was the oh, one that the broadcast was was, was kind of, <laughs> you know, I mean, so yeah, you you you're wary of Illinois. Um, we did have some adversity on this day, but not nearly as uh, as difficult as two years ago or as back in 94. Um, yeah, credit so, their defense. You know, um, their, yeah. their star, you know, he's going to be in the top 10 of the draft probably, if not if not even higher. He should, um, he should be in the NFL already. Jerzon Newton, I mean, he had six tackles, two of them solo, a tackle for loss, two passes defended, which he, you know, blocked, uh, you know, batted down passes and a blocked field goal. Um, and that's to say nothing of that. You know, it seemed like every other play he was in our backfield disrupting, you know, what we were doing. Um, you know, another thing that kind of hampered us, we had seven penalties for 70 yards. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, a dead ball, unsportsmanlike conduct on mm-hmm. Kandre Lambert Smith. We mm-hmm. would have been third and two um, deep in their territory, ended up being third and 17. That led to that long field goal, which ended up being blocked. And um, and a, you already mentioned some of the drops. You know, Drew didn't look great, but he also put a couple of passes on the numbers that just kind of were out of the hands of um, the receivers. Those kind of errors, I think, will be really costly in a closer game um, against Illinois. Um, it turned out that that we were able to, you know, fight our way to a, a win. It seems in the second half we found some ways to attack. Um, swing passes around the outside by um, Nick Singleton. Um, I think he had the outside of the Clifford pass. Um, he had the the second longest uh, pass of the day and. Um, in fact, did you know Nick Singleton was our leading receiver? Three catches for 49 yards? No. <laughs> but I did know that uh, this Newton that you're referring to, um, he, that, that was hellacious, uh, what the game he was playing. You know, he, and he's the guy that blocked that field goal. Yep. And, yep. Uh, you know, speaking of flashbacks, I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness, you know, number 44 for Ohio State a year ago. Had, oh, right. JT, I mean, I agree. Tiamato Lolo, I mean. Yeah, right. Like he that. Had, that that kid had two interceptions, two fumble recoveries. He one, was in Sean one Clifford's lap fumble, all day, you know. Two sacks and a defensive touchdown. And it's uh, apparently the only time in this century that any player has accounted for that much uh, defense (laughs) well i mean you know and some of this you know i'm thinking you know how is mike yersich not game planning around these disruptive players and i felt like that last year you know you knew this guy coming in was a stud yeah um and it just seemed like 
you know, there wasn't a game plan to take him out of the game last year against Ohio State. And similarly this year, like how many runs were we running straight into the teeth of that Mm -hmm. Mm D-line? How many times were we putting uh, Drew Aller back there in, you know, long developing pass plays and letting this guy disrupt as opposed to doing what we ended up doing toward the second half, which is getting on the perimeter, you know, quick passes to our tight ends and, and really neutralizing that, um, the strength of their um, front four and uh, Jazan uh, in particular, um, I, you know, I, that for me is a little head scratching. I think at times Mike Yersich seems to be a little thick headed and stubborn and just r- wanting to run his plan, even though it may not be uh, working out. I'm not sure if that's, you know, intended to bear fruit down the line or if that's just that he's not as uh, quick to make adjustments based on, um, you know, what they're seeing or if he just is coming in with game plans that aren't as, you know, as tight as they should be. Well, What's your thought on that, Deb? I, you know, I, I'm slow to blame uh, it personally, to, you, know, to, you know, to throw, toss bricks at our um, coordinators, but... Uh, our offensive line, you know, certainly um, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid all summer long. That, <laughs> yeah. You know, we've got this you know, hellacious uh, offensive line, and uh, hopefully we do. But they have not been the imposing, dominating force. Obviously, Delaware was a – even though there, that we just didn't seem to always just have our own way. Yeah, with uh, with defenses, and uh, I, I think we were playing pretty well against Illinois, except for this kid Newton. And as you say, a year ago, uh, you know, JT, what's his name, number forty four at Ohio State. It's like, how how can we let that happen? It's but you know, it's a game of players. It's a game of inches. It's a you know it's why they play the game. I mean these guys. So get you don't ramped. you don't want to blame the coaches. You want to blame the players. Is no, that no, no. <laughs> I'm just I'm saying we're playing against teams that have great players. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good point. And and I guess you know my my hope is that we're scheming around it. And and you yeah, know, again sure. whether whether the execute you know I I will say that those drops you know um, on a couple of occasions um, some untimely penalties really really messed with our rhythm. We weren't we weren't having those problems the, the previous two weeks. And maybe it's the fact mm-hmm. of being in a, a you know Big Ten stadium away from home. Maybe well, it's the you know, fact this, of this having better also, talent against you, you know? It was also an eleven o'clock kickoff. <laughs> yeah, maybe Who you, know, you weren't, those weren't things, awake. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Maybe you're not awake until the second half. And that, yeah. I mean, Franklin's teams have on occasion had the problem of, you know, starting yep. slow. And yep. Um, yep. yeah, this was well, definitely you know, one Joe of those games. used to have that uh, <laughs> character. Yeah. I People mean, used to I, talk about that. All summer, my kids were not waking up till 10, 11, you know, yeah. at Body <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's it's got to be tough having college kids and saying, hey, wake up early for a mm-hmm. big uh, rivalry game. But Well, and you're on, you are on the road. All the all your, you know, sequences and processes are different. And hopefully, uh, you know, we got some of that out of our system. Well, hey, um, just leaving behind um, the, the game review, uh, just one or two more thoughts here. Um, credit Aller for hanging in there. He... Yep. You know, he played a clean game in spite of struggling. He kept his head. Uh, he led the team on a couple of critical drives. Um, you know, he did end up making some more, uh, 
you know, clean passes in the second half that really um, got big chunks of yardage, including uh, a really nice 18-yard swing pass yeah, to Singleton. Yeah, he had some amazing throws. He did. Um, so, yeah, really, you know, and that one to Clifford that, um, you know, was his long of the day was just on a dime. Yeah. Um, and then this was kind of the big surprise for me. We mentioned the subs already, but um, after the the touchdown drive that ended like ten seconds into the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. Drew Aller was done for the day, and Bo yeah. Pribula basically played for the entire fourth quarter. He only ended up attempting three passes, but he did have nine carries for forty seven yards, leading the team um, in yards per carry at five point two. A curious decision, I thought, to um, pull Aller that early and put in Bo uh, Prabula. What What's your thoughts on, on that? And did you notice that as uh, anything worth paying well, attention I, to? I mean, I obviously noticed it, um, but I, uh, I'm, you know, my take is that uh, Franklin felt he, we had the game under control. Uh, he doesn't want to get obviously uh, Drew Aller injured. Um, but also, and I think more importantly, wants to get um, Bo on the field. Uh, we're no doubt going to need him at some point. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I do find it a little curious that we're using him a lot like we used uh, Tommy Stevens, you know, just to run as opposed to have a full offensive you know, platform to operate. But I, I'm sure there's some strategy in that also. I think that we're trying to force uh, future defensive coordinators to have to be able to spend some time planning for either or both both quarterbacks, um, I'm guessing. And, and we want that experience under uh, Bo's belt. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they use them when we get into the, the meat of the schedule. Um I I agree with you. I'd love to see him attempt a few more passes, although, you know, nursing a, a narrow lead, I think, is probably not the place to do it. He doesn't look quite as refined a passer. I agree. I, um, I mean, I, I think that is fair. Um, but another, it's another reason why we want to get him some, uh, you know, some more game experience. And I will also say that as it relates to Drew, he didn't do what, you know, a lot of people all season long because they seem to have been neck and neck for, for, during the first couple of weeks. J.J. McCarthy and, uh, and Drew Aller, you know, kind of fighting for who's the top quarterback in the conference, and most people have given that nod to J.J., just given his experience, he's older and all that. But, you know, Drew did not do what J.J. couldn't avoid, which is, you know, toss it to the other team. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's big. That is big. Uh, and it'll be he, really big. He um, kept his head and, and made good decisions in yeah, that regard. Yeah, yeah it, it'll be really big um, as we turn the page to Iowa, who's known to be uh, a ball-hawking defense. A couple of yes. years, uh, they've led the country in interceptions. Um, For years. We'll, yeah, right. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment, yeah. but um, I think that'll do it for our Illinois recap. Uh, again, a 30-14 to 14 victory. It wasn't always pretty, but in the end, a solid day going on the road in the Big Ten. Drew Aller's first road start uh, came away with a victory. Penn State is now 3-0, and um, and we head into this coming week of college football. Um, unlike this past weekend, which uh, had no top 25 matchups, this week we've got a whole slew of top yeah. 25 matchups. We've got some biggies, yeah. So what I want to do, we're not going to talk about all of them, but I want to talk about some of them in a segment that we're calling 
Rick's Picks. Rick's Picks. <laughs> I'm so honored. <laughs> Humble. Uh, <even. laughs> um, well, uh, Let's start right in at the noon uh, window, and um, this is a pretty big game, especially considered uh, Florida State struggled last weekend, and their opponent, uh, whose house they're going into, has struggled all season. That would be Clemson. And I think the big question is, you know, hey, can Clemson get back on people's radar with a big upset win, or will Florida State shake off a rough outing? against a bad Boston College team and continue to show their playoff contenders. Uh, right now, Florida State's about a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm-hmm. What do you see happening in this game, Dad? Well, Florida State obviously did not have as bad an outing last weekend as Clemson had to open the season. <laughs> That's true. With, with, Holy uh, cow. Or whether that was, I don't remember what week that was. I watched that game. It was unbelievable the way Duke was able to uh, have their own way <laughs> with Clemson. I, You know... Uh, Nevertheless, uh, I'm inclined to pick Clemson on this one. I think Ooh. Dabo, I, I, I've respected him over the years as a coach. Uh, he may not have the horsepower that he's had in other years. We'll see. Um, is this game, I take it, is at Clemson? Yes. Yeah, so um, I, I, I'll give them an, a, 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 an edge. That's probably stupid, but... Well, you know, personally, I would love to see uh, Florida State, with for all their hype this season, uh, I'd love to see them get knocked off their perch. Clemson's already knocked off their yeah, perch. Yeah, right. So that, That's true. In a lot yeah. of ways, it um, neutralizes uh, the <laughs> ACC, <laughs> you know, so in yeah. terms of like, uh, you know, um, fan interest, definitely rooting for Clemson this weekend. Um Moving to the 330 window, um, you already mentioned it, uh, number 19, Colorado, playing at number 10, Oregon. Uh, Big question is how Colorado is going to handle their first top 10 opponent, how they're going to handle their first ranked Pac-12 opponent uh, as they go all the way over to Oregon on the West Coast. Um, you know, it's a, Oregon's a different animal than any of the other teams they've faced How so? so far. Uh, well, I mean, what are you getting at there? They're just, they're just higher they're a better team, a more complete team, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they have offense and defense. Um, they, they have a pedigree. You know, I think TCU, uh, they couldn't overcome the, the loss of their, their great quarterback. And even then, Colorado barely got got the win. I think Oregon's going to play better defense uh, than TCU did. Um, You know, it'll tell us a lot about how good uh, Colorado is and also how good Oregon really is. Um, Dad, Oregon is a three touchdown favorite right now in this game. (laughs) What do you see happening in this game? Well, you make a good case and uh, you basically, it's very persuasive and you're probably right. I'll pick Colorado. (laughs) Ah, wow. You're I know. Uh, see if they can uh, continue to pull rabbits out of their hat. And, yeah, uh, uh, it's a different season, um, you know, because of the changes out there. And, uh, uh, you know, and, until I watch them go down, I'll I'll stick with them. That's amazing. Uh, so you're you're on the Dion hype train, huh? I think Dion, you know, let's find out what he's 
And once again, let's find out what he's got. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, you, you know, I I personally think that uh, Dion, you know, he's been taking pretty much everything personally, finding yeah. something to take personally. The yeah. fact that Oregon's a 21-point favorite, I think he's going to be uh, upset at all of Vegas at this point. And, you know, that's... Uh, well, you and know, ample you know, I, bulletin board material. <laughs> right. I, I guess no one knows that yet. Um, Dion might know whether Hunter is going to be able to take the field. He's been a difference maker for yes, them. And, and the true. fact that he's not, if he's not on the field, or even if he is and he's not, you know, 100%, definitely could impact the game. But um, let's see. It's still very early. We don't really know a lot about these teams. Um, you don't know if the teams that they've played are any good. You know, um, you already mentioned Florida losing to Utah and we kind yeah. of wrote them off. And here they yeah. went and beat Tennessee. Right. You know, right. so you know it's it's early enough that you don't really know how good the teams are because you don't know how good the teams are playing. Um, which I think brings us to another um, in that three thirty time frame. Um, another top. 25 matchup, top 15 matchup, in fact. Uh, number 15, yeah, Ole Miss at number 13, Alabama. Alabama's one. sputtering. They're dropping fast in the polls. You know, can they find their rhythm in time for this first SEC conference game of the season for them? Um, or is the downward spiral going to continue? This again is at Alabama, who is a touchdown favorite. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm leaning towards Alabama on this. I mean, I know a lot of people are loving Ole Miss, and uh, there's a lot to love there, but uh, it's, it, I, yeah, it's Nick Saban. <laughs> Don't count him out. <laughs> That's how I kind of feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lane Kiffin's still trying to find his, you know, signature, you know, year, signature victory, signature. And this would be one if they can. Certainly, you know, it would be a, a, a you know, a, a stepping stone to better things throughout the rest of the um, season for Ole Miss. Um, yeah, I tend to go with uh, Alabama and and their defense figuring things out and slowing Ole Miss down and uh, finding something. You got to imagine uh, Nick Saban is is you know gotten his sleeves rolled up trying to sort out what's wrong with their offense and lighting the fires everywhere to make it make yeah, sure it doesn't <laughs> doesn't cause a problem again this year uh, this week. Yeah, I agree. Well. Um, in that late time slot, I mean, we're not going to be able to watch it because we're going to be watching Penn State and well, Iowa. That's what DVRs are for, et cetera. That's right. You know, um, either flipping back and forth, yeah. or, uh, picture in picture, or yep. um, watching after yep. the game. The, the the really kind of the the biggest game of the weekend, um, probably by a long shot, is number six, Ohio State, going into Notre Dame Stadium, taking yep. on number nine, Notre Dame, both teams undefeated. Um, and Notre Dame has looked good. They've looked very good, um, although neither team has really been tested. Um, mm -hmm. Notre Dame's been running out uh, transfer quarterback uh, Sam Hartman, who's like thrown something like 7,000 touchdown passes in his career or something crazy. <laughs> um, you know, will he show that he's, you know, for real and play in the top level? Will Ohio State show that they've reloaded on offense and that their quarterback can uh, take him to the promised land? Ohio State, by the way, favored by three going into Notre Dame Stadium. That's, just, I think, is a bit of a surprise. And you know, you're honestly. related to their quarterback. Oh, yes, Kyle McCord, sure. Yeah, just because we share a last name. <laughs> I married a McCord. Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> I think that's no not relate. true. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Okay. No uh, what's your take name. on that Same. game? What's your What's your take? You know, I obviously I'd love to see. I, 
I'd love to see Ohio State be taken down a peg. <laughs> I, I really would, even though you know you'd rather they were undefeated when we beat them later. But um, I just would love to see Notre Dame soften them up, um, and I think they, I think they will. I like it. I, once again, I think I think they'll come at McCord, um, and I th- you know I think uh, you know I think Notre Dame's quarterback's going to have a night. Uh, well, they are pairing a very, very solid quarterback play. I'm talking about Notre Dame right now. Very solid yeah. quarterback play with a, a, a run game that is is, is really, really tough. Um, again, hard to judge against the competition they played. Although they I did, agree. they did do a number on uh, NC State. Um, really took it to them. But um, I gotta say. I kind of feel like I'm with you. I, I as much as you know, fan interest would say you want Ohio State undefeated uh, when we play them. I would love for them to to have their confidence shaken and uh, taken down a notch. Um, I, I'd love to see Notre Dame win this game as well. Yeah, and they yeah that'll be a, that'll be a heck of a game. It'll be good television, which is of course. All that counts if you're a network. <laughs> right, that's all that yeah. counts these days. Uh, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, that might be the biggest game in the country, but for us, the biggest game of the weekend is sure. the Iowa game, Penn State, Iowa, a top 25 matchup. We're going to get to that game in just a moment. But before we do, Dad, uh, we've got a mailbag entry, and I wonder if you'd be willing to Ooh. join me as we open up the mailbag. Mailbag time. Uh, do, am I going to unseal the envelope, or are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this is coming from Shane Dowd, who is a, a regular contributor. Shane, yeah, he had a goodie last uh, week. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, and um, this is another one he's um, thinking about, you know, between Illinois and Iowa. Uh, he's got a question about rivalries, all right? And so here is mm-hmm. his question. James Franklin continues to call Penn State unrivaled. I think it's yeah. safe to say we've got chemistry with numerous teams in this league. We just talked about the history with Illinois, for example. So his question is, outside of Ohio State and Michigan, which are too obvious, who are a few Big Ten teams that you consider rivals in that we look forward to playing them and or, well, of course, also beating them when they're on our schedule? Uh, who would you say, Dad, are some of the top, outside of Ohio State and outside of Michigan, some of the top rivals that Penn State relishes playing every year, at least from your perspective. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily accept the premise, Shane, but, um, <laughs> and, 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 and I'll, I'll, I'll move on. But my point simply being, you know, I, I saw NBC did a, a pre-game, a pre-West Virginia game interview with uh, James Franklin. I just happened to watch it a day or two ago. And because um, we were at the stadium that night and didn't see any of the, you know, preliminary of the broadcast but um and he they asked him that question who's your top right and he said whoever we're playing next he <laughs> did, would not go after any he wouldn't name anyone they tried to get him to yeah. it's certainly me, like the exact Ohio opposite State. strategy of uh narduzzi yeah who just goes yeah. out of his way to pick fights yeah. with people yeah well in the classic you know alabama auburn uh michigan ohio state you know there are these great right and it used to be pet, uh, pit for us but yeah um i to me it is ohio state 
And although several years ago it would have been Michigan when we like had five years we running we didn't beat them uh, back outside in, of uh, those two. Uh, who do you think in yeah. the Big Ten I would are say the ones? Iowa. Yeah, I would say Iowa, and I, and the reason is that they have ruined some seasons for us, yeah, and they've absolutely. nearly ruined some seasons for us. That play we made on the last play of the game what was that twenty seventeen yeah. maybe. Yep, Trace um, McSorley to Jawan Johnson. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and we've been in this stadium for some Iowa whiteouts. Uh, I remember in 2016, that was when the whole stadium learned that, who was it, either Michigan or Ohio State had surprisingly lost a game that allowed us to be in position to win the conference if we won again the next weekend. Um, I, I, I guess I'd say Iowa. Although Indiana, yeah, you can hate them from time to time too. But yeah, I think, but you know, a team like Indiana, Illinois, we just said, but like those teams that they can yep. surprise you, but they're not perennially good teams. Iowa, I think, is a perennially good team and they're, you know, they're dangerous. And, um, you know, you also have those. Well, I think we're 0 3 against them, aren't we, in the last three seasons? Oh geez, I don't even and, know. And I should although know we're that. we're we're six and four, we're six and four in the last ten seasons, and we 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 won five in a row there for a stretch. But then I think we've lost to them recently. So, well, you know, the one that's going to be easy. A couple of the ones that hurt recently are, um, the, you know, the one two years ago where we were five and zero yeah. when we went in there and they knocked yeah. Sean Clifford out of the game and just uh, yeah. basically derailed our whole season. <laughs> You know, in that Correct. one game, um, and then of course there's the classic uh, six to four loss where <laughs> you know yeah, their yes. two field goals beat our two safeties. Yep. Um, yep. You know, and like you said, a lot of really, <laughs> a lot of really tough they games. Some seasons. Yeah. Um, so and they have, they, you know, they're they're a solid team. I, we've been playing them since 1930. Not every year, but you know they were like a quote unquote protected rivalry f for us for a couple of years, and how the Big Ten was doing scheduling. Mm -hmm. And let me just say, mm -hmm. I was really glad to see them off of the every year schedule as a as a West team. I agree, they're tough. Um, you know, in the East, it's hard to find a rival. I think um, you know Michigan State. It, it's been traditionally our last game of the season, and so there's a little bit of juice there sometimes because of you know that what the implications might be in that last game, and and they're probably the team that we've placed them played the most evenly over the years but i just mm -hmm. i don't get emotionally invested in that michigan state game uh very rarely um with michigan yeah. state specifically it's more about the circumstance than the team specifically but for iowa i just uh, every chance we get to beat them i i want to beat them and you feel better when we i mean if you feel relieved is really that's the word true. i'm looking for when we <laughs> that, do that's if a very do. very good point well um let's close up the mailbag and talk about that iowa game um by the way shane himself thank said you shane iowa, good question shane <laughs> good question shane and shane himself said iowa would be his top rival a timely uh question okay um th that is outside of michigan and ohio state um so this game, hey, it's the whiteout game. It's a 7.30 kickoff. It's on CBS. I don't know the last time that Penn State played a home game for CBS. I think last year we were broadcast on CBS You know when we played at Auburn. But uh, this is part of the new... Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, the broadcast uh, rights agreement that has yeah. CBS with a couple of Big Ten yeah. games, and uh, it's a pretty big one to start that uh, contract off. It's also a pretty big early season test for Penn State coming off of that Illinois game when our, our offense didn't look yeah. so good, but our defense looked great. And um, a, a great uh, atmosphere coming in for the uh, Penn State whiteout. Um, as you've mentioned, we know Iowa pretty well. They're they're um, you know, it's a keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer kind of situation. Uh, head coach Kirk Ferentz, which in many cases, you know, to me, he feels a lot like a Joe Paterno type figure. Um, he just notched his 200th career win as a head coach uh, two weeks ago versus Iowa State. Um, okay, so um, over the transom question. Since yeah. you mentioned Joe, do you remember <laughs> Joe's 200th victory? Um, I, I don't know. I can't remember if it's 200th or it's a 300th. I remember being at the Bowling Green game where there was a big celebration. Was that his 200th? They were both Bowling Green, and no you were kidding. at both of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I can't remember which is which. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. That's right. Uh, um, yep. So, um, you know, Iowa, Iowa has been in a little bit of a slump. They've been, you know, they're a team that challenges for the Big Ten West most years. Last year, they were in the mix, but um, finished with an eight and five record. And that was with a top 10 defense top nationally, uh, but a really bad offense. Um, what encapsulated their whole season last year was one of the first games of the season may have been their first game. They played the eventual FCS championship uh, South Dakota State. And they played them to a seven to three win, but they went in to the locker room tied three, three at the half. <laughs> the, how they got their seven is they had two defensive safeties in the second half to get the four point win. And that that's pretty much oh their whole. Gosh. <laughs> so that was their season wow. last year. <laughs> Excellent defense, terrible offense. Um, yeah. Well, amazing defense. Very, very solid. Um, you know, they come into the game, by the way, on a four-game win streak. Seem to have turned some of their offensive yep. woes They're around. Three, four, yeah. And they had a 21 nothing shutout uh, against Kentucky in the Music City Bowl last year, and now they're 3-0 and this year. Uh, tight wins against mm -hmm. Utah State and rival Iowa State. Um, and then last week, it seemed like they got some offensive kinks worked out, put up 41 points against Western Michigan. Yeah, so last thing I'll just say about the Iowa as a team right now is that they've been affected by um, the sports betting scandal. Um, both Iowa and Iowa State have had athletes caught up in that. Uh, the attorney general in Iowa seems to have, for some reason, decided to make a point about this. Um, result, one of the results in, of that um, is that uh, their senior starting defensive tackle, Noah Shannon, um, was suspended for the hmm. season by the NCAA after he admitted to betting on Iowa teams. Um, it effectively ends his college career. He'll wow. be going to the NFL. Um, so that's a loss for them, and who wow. knows what it's doing behind the scenes. I, I, you know, I wasn't plugged into that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, the, well, yeah. and that's a—I mean—that's a commentary on. I mean, who and who thought it was a great idea to allow gambling on college football? I—I I mean, 
plus add that to like the um, app level betting, you know, where you just sort of open up an app yeah. and place bet after bet after bet. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what that's what these kids are doing, um, you know, and there's sort of a culture of acceptance around it. And um, certainly at and a minimum. How does that so, not affect the, the things on the field potentially, you know, I, mean, I grew up uh, with race field questions. Of dream- and- I grew up with Field of Dreams and like the yeah. Chicago, Chicago White Sox scandal, right? Which that right. plays into right, that. Right. And then also the Pete Rose, you know, and like both of those things for me sure. growing up was like, um, you know, athletes betting on sports is like a good way to get you banned for life. And yeah, there's a major like attitude paying shift. players and now there's NIL and well, I would definitely, out loud, I would, you know, I mean, it definitely has changed the game and all these. So I would definitely put betting Everything. on your own sport <laughs> on your own team as yeah. in a very different category from getting compensation for your uh, athletic product on the field. But in any case, a sign of the times for sure, and all that to say, Iowa's been been kind of caught up in it. So let's just take a look at at this Iowa team, and um, we're going to start with you know what's been for years and years the strength of their team, which is their defense. Um, defensive coordinator is Phil Parker. Um, he's been at Iowa during Kirk Ferentz's whole tenure. Um, he was defensive backs coach for a while, and in 2013 promoted to defensive coordinator. He's been in that role for the last 10 years, and I can't remember too many years where his defense has been, you know, not one of the better ones in the country. Um, this year, they're statistically, and it's early, you know, they're not quite as strong in some of the categories as they have been in the last few years. For example, they're tied for 18th in scoring defense, which is not too bad, but that's behind Penn State, who's at 13th. Uh, they're 17th in pass efficiency defense. Last year, they were one of the better ones in the country. That's behind Penn mm-hmm. State, who's at 11th. And then um, in all the other major statistical categories, they're outside of the top 30, which is not to say that they're a bad defense, but maybe not quite as elite, at least yet. Um, as they were last year, but they still, you know, obviously are a very, very solid team on defense and probably outside of maybe Michigan are going to be our toughest defensive test of the year. Um, what do you think about that when you think about going up against this Iowa defense? They're tough. They're always tough and, um, you know, tough against the run. I, I'm guessing, you know, I, I would love to see our uh, our offense, you know, uh, put together a sound running game. I don't know if we can. I hope we can. I hope we try and find out that we can. But we may end up going to the pass to uh, uh, gain yards on this defense, and that that too will be tough. But hopefully, uh, you know, we're working on uh, pass plays that we can get people open, and Drew can find them. You know, I was looking at. Um you know, their performance last year. And there was one game that stood out that um, the game got away from them defensively. It was against Ohio State, mm-hmm. um, yeah. who ended up um, winning 54 to 10 in the final score. Now, it was a one-score game until three minutes before the half. But from that moment, Ohio mm-hmm. State scored 38 unanswered points. And the way Ohio State won that game was with the pass. They only rushed for 66 yards on the game. But C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. ended up with almost 300 yards passing, four touchdowns to one interception. One long touchdown pass. And, of pass, course, he was an amazing QB. Yeah, I mean, certainly. And, um, you know, certainly don't want to suggest Drew Aller is necessarily 
you know, at his level at this point, but you know, he was not a mobile quarterback. And what he did was he just patiently diced up their zone defense. Um, not a lot of mm-hmm. very long passes, but just patient carving up the middle, a lot of mid range passes and um, yeah, ended up putting up a lot of points I, that, like you said, that may be the formula against this defense where we, we, you know, don't try to force the run and um, give Drew out a little bit of space in the past. They run um, defensively. Their scheme is a four-two-five, um, which is mm-hmm. somewhat similar to what Penn State will run. Um, except on the back end, they're running mm-hmm. a lot of zone. And what they're trying to do mm-hmm. is trying to make it difficult for quarterbacks to find open spots to pass. And um, and then they'll run stunts and. Um, uh, blitzing to to try to force the quarterback to make bad decisions. That's how they get all those turnovers. So, I, yeah, I think they're going to come after Drew. Yeah, I, 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 I expect just think that they as are. Well. It's been the formula. I mean, I mean, even West Virginia, I think, largely limited Penn State's um, attack by sending a lot of people after Drew mm-hmm. Aller. Um, and Illinois, of course, mm-hmm. ran it to perfection last week. And of course, that'll be up to uh, you know our passing game to break them. You know, with a precise, with precision and uh, yards. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have a couple really uh, solid defensive players, um, defensive linemen, uh, Deontay Craig. Now, Iowa lost two NFL. Uh, first round caliber players on their uh, front seven, but this guy, Deontay Craig, may have been the best of all of them last year in their feared pass rush. Mm. And he's back. Um, he led the team last year with 10 tackles for loss, tied uh, uh, for the most sacks at six and a half. Um, he's expected to be a premier edge rusher this year and um you know if we, we had problems with jerzon newton last week um deontay craig's gonna yep. cause problems for us this this week um you know they did lose some production in defensive back last year but they do have a a, a really solid guy um this year as well uh cornerback cooper d i think is how you say his name um and mm-hmm. he, he's He's kind of the same sort of guy as Kalen King or, you know, last year, Joey Porter Jr., where, like, you want to know where this guy is because you don't want to throw it his direction because he could easily take the ball away. Um, a last yeah. defensive yeah. player that I want to suggest that we um, pay attention to is their punter. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, Ferenc, Ferenc defense, man. That's no true. About it. And, uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz uses the punt like a weapon. Um, and this guy, um, um, he was an all uh, American second team, all American last year as a punter, uh, average 45 yards a punt, but his real specialty is dropping it inside the 20. He had 38 punts dropped inside the 20 last season, flipping the field. And, um, you know, one of the things, and we saw this, this, this happened to us in the second half in 2021, where it's like, we just could not get out of our own, you know, the shadow of our own end zone. You know, they just kept punting it deep. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I am with Coach Kirk Ferentz, and you referenced earlier that he's kind of the Joe Paterno, maybe, uh, you know, his generation. But, um, yeah, he does what Joe would do, which is to play a field position game. Field position is everything to him as it had been for Joe. And, you know, it, People got would get tired of that at times, but it can be a very much a winning formula. And 
you know, get force a long field on your opponent and uh, and wear him down with your defense. That's kind of the game he seems to enjoy playing. Yeah, and um, he certainly baits other teams into playing that kind of game. And it'll be interesting, I think, with um, you know the game plan that we have in place. Can we can we sort of break that sort of stranglehold that Iowa want, Iowa wants to have? Interestingly enough, Iowa's time of possession is not nearly as good as it often is. They're in the lower half of um, college football in time of possession. Uh, Penn State, um, where I think uh, in the I don't. Don't have the stat in front of me right now, but we're in the top 10 or 15 of time of possession. Oh, we're seventh in time of possession, 34 minutes a game. Um, wow. So, you know, if we can find That's a way. I know, I know. If we can find a way to hang on to the ball, um, I, I think that'll be really, really helpful. Um, let's let's talk about their um offense. Okay. Um Iowa's offensive coordinator. I don't know if you knew this, Dad. How would you like to work with your son? I did, you know, <laughs> not with me. Well, speaking of Jay Paterno, <laughs> that's right. No, but, but yeah, <laughs> I'd rather work with my other son. No, very, very um, good. <laughs> Kirk's son, yeah. Brian Ferentz, he's the um, offensive coordinator or uh, that's interesting. True. Uh, Joe Paterno had Jay Paterno as, wasn't he his OC? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. He was. Weird. He's the, he's he's channeling Joe Paterno. The ghost of Joe Paterno lives at Iowa. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> um uh, he's probably got the strangest uh coordinator situation in college football. Not only is he um you know working with his dad, the head coach, but his uh, positional supervisor is the athletic director. Uh, who, as a result of their terrible offensive performance, which, by the way, in today's college football game, if your offense is as bad as it was last year, the yep. likelihood that you still have a job yep. is is you know very yep. very low. Um, but you know whether that's because good old dad is your head coach, or you know Iowa just is hesitant to make any changes. Um, he's been kept on, but with the proviso or that your defense is unbelievable. Well, true, you know. Yeah. Um, but. Into his new contract, Brian Ferentz's contract, the offensive coordinator, is specifically required to average 25 points a game. Yeah, 25. Or 25 points a game, or um, he'll be let go at the end of the season. Um, by the way, after three games. Well, and the he, question I would have is. Do well, does def, do defensive scores apparently count yes for that? Or, <laughs> apparently, or <not>? yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, then that's good for him. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But, um, after three games, uh, he's averaging 28.3, and that's largely uh, thanks yeah. to the 41 point explosion last game. Um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, and one offensive touchdown, um, on the season so far. So, uh, look, their offense, you mean defensive? Excuse me. Yes, a defensive touchdown. Um, so, right after our defense's job against Illinois last week, it'll be interesting to see how we stack up against Iowa. But I, I think uh, we're going to give them a pretty long day um, in passing offense. Um, right now, Penn State is ranked fiftieth. Alabama is ranked one hundredth. Wow, Iowa is 121st out of 131 teams. <laughs> um, they only have a, they only have 100 passing yards per game through 3 games. Um, well, you know what? That 
Well, that that is shocking to me because in my mind, the big move over the off season their was quarterback. their quarterback, you know, hey, the McNamara. quarterback com- coming from Michigan, and he had yep. taken them to a conference championship. And yeah, I'm, yeah, I uh, guess there's you know, a reason uh, that uh, Michigan let. There's a reason Michigan let him go, maybe, um, or how much of it is the scheme? I, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, 121st in passing right now. Um, rushing offense, as I was saying, a little bit better. They're 72nd in the country. Um, by the way, that's good enough for also 150 yards per game. So they're throwing for 150 yards per game, and they're running for 150 par- yards per game. By the way. Penn State is 50 spots ahead of them. We're 22nd in the country with our uh, rushing offense. Um, total offense, that puts them at a um, subpar 119th in the country, uh, 300 yards per game. Uh, scoring offense, a little bit better. Uh, we already mentioned 28.3 points per game, 73rd in the country, Penn State's 14th. So, I mean, I obviously our offense is not going up against their offense directly, but just to give you a sense of like well, how f- much th- further below. This Penn is really State. impressive. Do you get the, do you get these numbers directly from James Franklin? I know he's big on data and yeah, he, he, um, he, he sends me an email uh, usually Monday morning, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have this great invention <laughs> called the internet and you can actually find these statistics online. These are yeah, really, uh, yeah. NCAA.com will let you know and uh, track them, but, Ooh. uh, you can look them up for yourself. Yeah. Um, but oh, is, no, I'm doing my best of facts. <laughs> I'm doing my best Tom. Cause he's usually the one who does all, all of the scouting, um, uh, we mentioned well. um, I'm proud Kate of McNamara you. already. Thank you. Thank you. I'm learning yeah. new things. <laughs> um, we mentioned Cade McNamara. Um, he's, uh, you know, again, he's not been the answer for them. He's only completed 53% of his passes this year, four touchdowns to three interceptions. He's taken six sacks. I think this... Uh, and and this against not top level competition. I, I'm sure our defense is is licking their chops, you know, sharpening their knives, whatever metaphor you want. Well, yeah, I, let's hope, but uh, you know, let's also hope that this is not his breakout game, um, because he um, he you know he's he's shown some capability, uh, albeit you know when he you know was quarterbacking Michigan at times, and they didn't have a killer offense either couple of years ago, but, um, yeah, he's, 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 he could be trouble. Let, let's hope we throttle him. Well, look, um, you know, obviously he's a little more experienced than drew Aller, but, um, drew's first road game against a big 10 opponent. He did not look his best. Um, and you know, here we have Cade McNamara coming into Beaver stadium for a night game for a whiteout there. His first, Big Ten action as an Iowa Hawkeye. Um, you know, maybe he'll be able to lean on his Michigan experience to kind of help uh, settle the whatever nerves and challenges he might face. But it also could be a tough environment to find your, you know, to find your rhythm, so to speak. Um, especially the was way he on the field defense. when we played them uh, two years ago. He probably was, right? Yeah, he would have been absolutely. Um, yep. You know. He, he does have um, a little bit of an advantage in that um, Iowa has a run game. It's not necessarily the best run game in the world, but they are, they do pound the rock. Um, They've got three running backs um, uh, that, that have significant carries. Um, 
the one with the most carries, a guy named Caleb Johnson, uh, only 2.7 yards per carry. Um, that's 91 yards on 34 carries. Um, but their two other backs uh, look a little bit better on the stat sheet, LaShawn Williams and Jazian Patterson. Yeah. Um, they they yeah. have 8.4 yards per carry and 5.0 yards per carry, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them have a v- couple of very long runs, uh, 53 and 59 yards. So, you know, my guess is in a Big Ten whiteout Penn State environment, they're going to they're gonna lean on the run game and, you know, go figure. That's kind of been our weak point on defense all year. Uh, I think it's going to be up to our front seven to really find a way to shut them down and keep them from gashing us in the run. Um, you know, in terms of receivers, you don't have a lot to talk about just because you d- you don't have a really great passing game. Their number one uh, receiver, uh, Luke Lashy, he's a tight end. Yeah, he um, just went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was termed a quote unquote significant leg injury. No word on on you know, what the injury is or how long it'll be out. My expectation is they've just lost their best receiver. Second leading receiver is Eric all, who is a, a Michigan transfer. Um, you know, he's a big tight end, uh, capable, um, yeah, capable, uh, receiver. And, and so my guess is he's going to start getting a little bit more action, but I, to me, I think it's really about the run game. Um, you know, can our defense stop the run game and then make um, Cade McNamara uncomfortable when he when he tries to drop back to pass? Um, well, hang on, isn't this Eric uh, All? I mean, he's a he looks like he's a beast. I mean, he's six five, two hundred and fifty, big target. Um, I mean, if they get him going, it could be a long night. It could be a long night. Yeah, absolutely. And they love their tight. Well, is he a tight end or a wide receiver? I don't yep. know. Yep. He's their tight end. Uh, their second uh, tight end is their leading receiver. They love um, their tight ends. I don't know. A- absolutely. Let's So let's just let's talk about this matchup as we kind of bring this uh, episode to a conclusion. Uh, you know, we mentioned it's, it's a whiteout. Penn State, a historic rival within the Big Ten. Iowa is coming in, um, you know, still trying to find their footing on offense and yet they're undefeated ranked number 24 Penn state also undefeated. We just had our first sort of stumble on offense and our defense just found its footing. What do you expect to see on offense and defense for Penn state? And and how do you see the game playing out? Well, you know, I, I guess uh, we may start slow. Obviously this is a whiteout. It's Beaver stadium. Hopefully we can, do some damage even uh, within, with our opening drives and, and find a way to throttle them. But um, I think it's going to be very competitive in the first half, and hopefully we're able to, uh, with whatever halftime adjustments we might be able to fashion, uh, to begin to pull away in the third quarter and close it out going away. But, you know, that could just be a... Happy dream. Um, you know, we got to do it on the field. And, of course, that's why that's why they play the game. Do you see this playing out a little bit like that Illinois game? You know, it could. Um, I, I, Iowa is, I, I, I think, I, I think they'll be tougher than Illinois. Yeah, I, I was pleased to take uh, a 30 to 7 or 30 to 14 uh, you know, walk away with that. I, I'm guessing this game could be closer than that, tighter than that. Um, but um, I, I, I just, I'm guessing they're a better team. I wouldn't have said that before the season started because Illinois looked uh, more formidable than uh, 
then than they've looked since. But yeah, I, I think it'll be a tough game, Andy, and I'll be happy with a even one point victory. I mean, certainly at this point, um, especially looking at some of the results from last weekend, um, getting the win is at this point kind of the name of the game, especially in conference yep. play. Yeah, it um, is. You know, Florida State uh, barely escaped a bad Boston College team. So, you know, it's uh, easy to get caught up in your own hype. It's easy to expect that yeah. it's going to be a walk in a park. Yeah, you don't want to discount, um, you know, just finding a way to win the game. Uh, you know, I, I think last week was a bit of a wake up call for the uh, Drew Aller hype train. He's mortal, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and you know he has been, uh, although he's played, and yet he handled it well. Absolutely, I think all things considered, he handled it well. It was a learning experience. It'll be interesting to see how quickly he learns from last week's experience. Um, but uh, you know, through the first three weeks, he hasn't thrown an interception, but there were a few moments where he came close. Yeah. Um, and in that Iowa game, excuse me, Illinois game, there was at least one moment where, you know, a ball that was thrown over the middle, um, ended up going grazing off of, uh, Illinois defenders hands and, um, you know, West Virginia, there was at least one moment where, uh, you could have had a pick. So, um, it, it, I think Iowa, you're not going to have that kind of margin for error. Um, cause they're, very, very good at taking the ball. Uh, I think it was a uh, Illinois, excuse me, Iowa versus Maryland a couple of years ago, where they had something like mm-hmm. seven interceptions or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. So, um, you know, so I think we have to play a clean game. Uh, I've personally, I would love to see something a little closer to that. I think what's it, the twenty sixteen game. Uh, which was also a night game. I think you and Tom went to that game and watched mm-hmm. Penn State put on a, a forty-one to seven clinic. If I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, do you mm-hmm. remember? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that game that I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. And everyone sort of expected a very close, hard-fought game, and um, as it turns out, Penn State showed themselves to be, you know, superior on both offense and defense. For real. Yeah. I would love. I would love to see Drew shake off that. Illinois game and come back and put on an offensive clinic and dice up yeah. the Iowa secondary and um, loosen up the run game and and get Nick. I mean, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen have been very solid, but man, I'm looking for a long breaking run. I'm also looking for the tight ends to stay involved and, and, and maybe, you know, run away with one here um, where we kind of get beyond the coverage on the seam and, and get a long touchdown as well. I, I, I feels like we haven't blown the top off of this offense yet. Agreed. And I don't know if I was the team to, we're going to be able to do that, but you know, if right. we're going to be able to have an explosive offense against the better defenses in the conference, like Ohio State and certainly Michigan, <laughs> we're going to have to figure yeah, out how to do it against. Better get it going I, at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. no better time than at home on a whiteout game. Um, and um, yeah, that's kind of what I'd what I'm hoping for. And then defensively, you know, I think I think Iowa is ripe for just going after them. I I, I would love to see a, a a really nice follow up performance from the Illinois game with uh, again a couple of a couple of takeaways and just really giving them a long, long day. And especially I'd love to see us shut down their run game. Wouldn't Um, that be sweet? You know, their uh, running back, we didn't talk about uh, Illinois' running back, but 
he had a couple of breakout runs. He ran over us on a couple of occasions. Mm-hmm. It still feels mm-hmm. like we're having trouble. Oh my gosh, that touchdown. Yeah, it, it, it was just, hard to watch. You know, he took, carried three or four guys into the end zone with him. It's like, what? what and we're guys? sort of, what, I feel like we've got guys in position to make tackles at the line of scrimmage and yeah, they're, just, and, they're just whiffing. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. or or you know, arm tackles are are not doing the job. So, I, that for me, the I would like to see an add on to what we've done last week, which is to to really shut down a, a potentially powerful run game on defense. I, I don't know what we're going to see again. I feel like we're still learning about Penn State. We're still learning about Iowa. Um, but you know, typically, Dad, Tom, and I finish this with a prediction for a score. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you want to mm-hmm. give, you mentioned you, you'd be happy for a one point victory, but if you had a prediction, what would it be? I would predict that the Chinese will not land a man on the moon in this decade. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> that could be <laughs> uh, we well, with our technology. Know. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. um, no, seriously, uh, I, I'm obviously going to, predict a Penn State win I'll I'll make it um 31-27. Ooh. Okay, that's a very close game. Um that puts first of all, I'll just comment quickly on that uh on that prediction. That puts Penn State uh, continuing our streak of 30-point games, which is the longest in the country right now. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. we're at 9 or 10 and so that that would continue that streak, but it also yeah puts Iowa above their uh, mandated 25 point average against Penn State's defense. That's a that's a that's an alarming stat there. I hope uh well, like I said I would take the win, but I certainly hope they don't manage to put 27 points against uh our defense. Wow. Well, for Kirk, you that know, would I, feel like a, a a disconcerting result for me. <laughs> well, for Kirk, you know, I think that uh, a few Bucks, you know, probably send under the table to uh, James Franklin. He has to make sure his son can. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, there is uh, speaking of I, speaking of scandal. Is the spread <laughs> two touchdown favorite? We're fourteen point favorites. Yeah, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I hope it is, and I hope it's the twelve touchdowns. But- and the um and, and the the ESPN uh you know AI generator they're giving us an eighty seven percent chance to win the game. So you know that yeah, the that, game that you've useless, predicted, but- and you know Iowa is like that. You know you can't take them for granted. What's your um, prediction? But that that ah, well, honestly, um, I, I'm really struggling between you know what kind of offense. Uh, our, our our guys are going to be able to to show. Truthfully, you know, w- so we got stuffed inside the twenty twice. Um, you know that that's another eight points mm-hmm. for us against Illinois if mm-hmm. we get touchdowns instead of field goals. Um, you know, we had a couple of missed opportunities. I think it could have easily we could have easily gotten a little bit more um, yeah, action on the score board we were down to the two yard line on one of those no yeah. and uh just felt like we were stubborn and how we <laughs> went straight after jerzon mm-hmm. newton um so ho- hopefully that's a lesson learned for your sitch but I, you know i gotta say i'm just feeling like we're gonna put a few more points on the board i'm feeling like okay i'm right. feeling like we're gonna hit 45 wow on the scoreboard wow. i think we hold iowa to 10 i think it's a 45 to 10 victory and and Penn State uh, makes a statement 
and uh, it moves up into a spot vacated by some of these uh, some of these teams um, that may be struggling. Maybe that Ohio State team drops down a notch or two, and Penn State can can take that spot. Um, I, I think it's going to be a solid victory. Uh, I felt really good uh, when my uh, week one prediction came true. Unfortunately, it came true in week two. <laughs> That's a fact. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's fair. You know, I mean, it's definitely uh, it's an enthusiastic uh, hope. And uh, I'll say, this past week, I was I was hoping for a better result. And um, when I didn't see it on Saturday, I was. Uh, I was less than pleased through most of that Penn State game, so ho- hoping, hopefully, I'm not setting myself up for another difficult <laughs> Saturday while uh, watching well, Penn you State know struggle. What? But it, I, I think the whiteout environment will will have a big impact on both teams, and and I'm looking for a really fun game. I hope we don't all get jaded and and you know drinking the Kool Aid because uh, you know everything's easy. Um, this is for all Penn State fans. We all know this, that uh, everything's easy for the guy who doesn't have to do it himself. And um, Big Ten is a serious, serious rough conference to play in. And even just to compete well in it takes a lot, let alone to go out and win, uh, as we're hoping, you know, every every week. So, whatever. You know, your whole family's proud of you and Tommy. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Like, well, and, I, and I appreciate the perspective spoken by someone who's watched a lot of Penn State football and died. Um, you know, enjoy enjoy what you so. got. <laughs> we all <laughs> get to. Yeah. You know, but uh, um, was right alongside you when you did yeah, too. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. Yeah. Seriously, the whole family is really proud of you guys that you've put. You know, I I think back to uh, summer of uh, 2020. This is even before they had shut the season down and everybody, your whole, our whole family's on the beach enjoying a summer sun in July or whatever. And uh, you and Tom are going after each other, just talking Penn State football, ranting as uh, you appropriately term it. And, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and the girls, you know, the wives and the girls, they all look at each other and go, you guys ought to have a podcast. It, it, and lo and behold, you know, <laughs> your sister uh, with the logo and then helped with the naming and whatever. I don't know how. Uh, you know, it's funny you've mentioned that because um, I was just thinking that if it weren't for yeah. the COVID shutdown, not right. just for the football season, but for my life and Tom's life, we probably wouldn't have this there podcast. You, um, you know, we're, we're now in a rhythm and squeezing yeah. it in between, you know, full-time uh, hiking schedule, adventuring schedule, uh, work schedule. Um and uh, yeah, but it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate the I f- appreciate the words of appreciation. Uh, you know, wasting our exactly. time doing something for free just well, because we well, love two, it. But hey, two quick everyone's got to have things, a hobby. Right? Uh, you know, uh, long overdue because it's worthy of a of <laughs> okay. more than one corporate sponsor. Um, but uh, also, have you gotten a postcard yet from Central America? Because uh, I haven't gotten mine, and I'm just wondering what the deal is. No, okay. I sure haven't. <laughs> <laughs> film at 11 is that it no no i'm no i'm i've been told not to talk about it so i probably shouldn't <laughs> have said that much 
<laughs> anyway, um, well, that'll do it for us today. Um, dad, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Um, yeah, guys, if you want to hear more of my dad or they if you want to hear less of Tom, let us know. We'll uh, see what we can do. Uh, <laughs> But no, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, want to remind everyone to uh, subscribe and follow, share this podcast with your Penn State friends. Uh, send us a review, give us a rating, uh, write in an email. We'd love to feature you on the mailbag, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. And then join us next week. We'll talk about the results of this whiteout game. Again, a 7.30 kickoff on CBS this Saturday night. Um, we'll be looking ahead to our third straight Big West foe in Northwestern as well, um, previewing that game. Um, and not sure yet. Haven't heard from Tom about his future schedule, but I'm, I'm hoping that he'll be back with me next week. Otherwise, we'll be into the wild blue unknown. Um, but wild blue and white unknown. Yeah, blue and white unknown. Uh, blue and white TBD. But um, whoever it is, it always starts with I love you. And it ends the same way dad your line is <laughs> no i've heard that and you know i i guess i didn't really i love that you uh, start, you know end with those and um but that is a james franklinism is that right i think so that's where the the little uh the the little clip that we play is uh james franklin in the locker room with his players oh, after I, okay, a game. uh it always starts with i love you and tom and i Tom and I thought that uh, that would be a fun way to end our podcast. So it let's is. try that again. Okay. All right. I'm going to say it always starts and you're going to say it always ends. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Do it right this time. <laughs> I'll work at it. Go ahead. I need practice. It always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. Doesn't it? <laughs> it always starts with I love you. <laughs> love you, Dad. Love you. You too, Tom. And we are Penn State. Right. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 